there's a better way to make high-quality video ads. You know, like the ones that drive performance on every platform across the internet? QuickFrame by Mountain has hacked the video production process to deliver a faster, more efficient way to produce content. Through a global network of creators hungry to bring your brand's vision to life, you'll be able to iterate and improve upon your campaigns mid-flight, creating a feedback loop of testing and learning so you can scale your business and reach new audiences. Visit QuickFrame.com to learn more. Welcome to Great Minds, and our guest today is Karna Crawford. Karna is the head of U.S. marketing at the Ford Motor Company. Uh, among the many brands in her portfolio is my all-time favorite car. I've been lucky enough, Karna, to have a 67, a 68, and I am very hopeful of acquiring a 2023 Ford, <laughs> Ford Mustang. Uh, and I'm delighted to have you here on Great Minds and have a chance to talk to you, Karna. So thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. So Karna, we share a lot of uh, funny coincidences. Um, and one of them is that we both started our careers uh, as interns. Uh, you way back when I think worked at Momentum for my old friend, Chris Weil. <laughs> and uh, my career, I went to Emory, something else we share. I know you did your graduate degree at Emory. I did my undergraduate degree there and was lucky enough to intern at the Atlanta Chamber of Commerce, at the Atlanta Journal, Atlanta Journal Constitution. And in my mind, those early internships were absolutely invaluable in shaping me and whatever modest degree of success I've had. You've had a hell of a lot more success than I have. But I'd love to go back and get your reflections on those early days as an intern uh, long, long ago. Well, first, I, I would hardly say I've had a heck of a lot more success than you have, Matt. I, I would definitely call you an extremely, extremely successful person. Uh, and I think you're right, though. The role of internships are so critical to some of our success. I will tell you. Um, I am just a, a workhorse. And so I've, I've worked and had internships and jobs since I was a kid. And the very, very, very first job I had, I was in high school and, um, I got a job working for Momentum, which is an event marketing agency at the time it was independent. And my first job honestly was a sampler. So I lived in Atlanta. We had Sports Illustrated Sports Fest at Six Flags that Momentum was executing. And my job was there is a big cooler of um, Coca-Cola products. And my job was to stick my hand in the cooler and hand out Cokes. And then there were also sporting activities all around, like they built a sport court activity center at Six Flags. So I passed out balls spur people to play football, basketball, et cetera. That was like the start of, of my career. But honestly, what's so important about it was I grew up, you know, with my mom working for the government and she worked for HUD and she had kind of a, a solid job. 
but I never knew that something like marketing could be a career. So work, having those early internships, doing event marketing with momentum later with ignition really helped shape my understanding of marketing as something that I could do as a career and, and, and how to connect with consumers and drive behaviors as something that someone could have as their job. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for that, coupled with the amazing leaders that I had as my mentors when I was in those in those um, internships. Yeah, one of the things I lament about young people today, I also you know started working when I was very, very young. My first job, I think I was 12, I used to deliver something called the penny saver. Did they have oh, that yeah. in Atlanta? Yeah. yeah, it was like a classified ads, literally like a little, almost like a pamphlet, you know, really cheap newsprint. And uh, I would deliver 200 of them on my route. Uh, I got one penny for each one I delivered. So it was $2 for what was a lot of work for, you know, as a very young, young man, young boy. And, but $2 to me, I was thrilled to be making that $2, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I lament that so many young people today don't work. I'm, I'm guessing that those early times that you described going back to your high school years and interning and sampling, that really helped shape a person for the long term. I, you know, I will tell you, I'm not sure that I'm in the same place with a lot of those young people not working. I think for me, I look around and I still see a lot of young people getting jobs and learning the value of money early. I think what may change is some of us are in different places in our um, socioeconomic position in our adult life now than where we were when we were kids. And so I think there are like what we see may not be the same as what we saw when we were kids. But if I go to, for instance, I have a lot of family that lives in Atlanta still. And if I go down to Atlanta and I have conversations with their kids, their kids are being interns. Their kids are uh, being coaches at the, the local high school for summer camp and things like that, still learning the role of responsibility and the value of money. I think it, our context may just be different now. Yeah. I think you said it better than I did. I'll, I'll, I'll try to backtrack and save myself a little. <laughs> I, I, I think some of the jobs that I did, I guess, are no longer kid jobs. They're now adult jobs. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm going to defer to you and your answer is a much better one than, than the question I asked or the answer I gave. Um, so Carney, you were also really early to digital and uh, worked at agency.com <laughs> at the turn of the century. We can say that out loud. Uh, and that sounds so long ago. I, I know you're much younger than that question would uh, make you seem. And, uh, and, you also really early on, you can see where that sort of sweet spot, uh, marketing overall, of course, but that intersection of digital and experiential and really understanding how to connect with people. Talk about that early experience, the internet way back when, yeah. such a different beast than it is today, 20 years later. You know, it's so funny. Um, when I was in college, I went to undergrad at Tulane. And I remember back then, we pretty much barely had the internet. We had search via something called Dogpile. And we sort of used email. But I remember we didn't even have good, like there weren't emojis and the shorthand was really confusing. And then you look at where we are today. 
Now, I would like to say I just saw the future when I when I moved from leaving Coke and going over to agency.com the first time. I'd like to say I could see the future. I could see around the corner and I wanted to go where the future was. But in reality, it was just a lot of fun. Leading um, internet initiatives at that time, it for me, it was about I'm a builder and a creator and an innovator, and it gave me an opportunity to do that. I would have had no idea that it would be as much of the future as it is today, that it is the foundation of how we exist, and we're now innovating on the innovation that was the internet. Yeah, no, it's, it's an amazing story. We started Advertising Week 2004. And 2004, Facebook or now Meta was, you know, only on the Harvard campus. We were three years from YouTube. We were uh, two or three years from the iPhone. Uh, many, many of the subjects, almost all that we talk about now on the thought leadership stage, not only were they less important, they weren't subjects at all. Uh, and it's been an incredibly short period of time upon reflection. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because we've effectively had a revolution, like a full, like transformative revolution in what equates to less than half of our lives. Yeah, no, very true. All right. There's so much ground to cover with you. I'm just going to uncharacteristically sort of deviate from chronicolo chronological order and just jump around a bit, if that's okay. I will try to keep up with you. All right. I, I, I'm sure you're going to be three steps ahead of me. So you are a person who gives back. And uh, going back to you were on the board of Cool Girls way back when, you're an advisory committee member now for one of my favorite organizations, Global Citizen. Talk about how giving back is part of your life. I know you do so much to mentor young people and to try to make your company look like all of America, which I want to talk about also. But for someone with an engineering background, which I find also interesting, Karna, and want to talk about, somewhere in there, that notion of giving back and, and supporting others who need help, who may not be able to provide it on their own, that was ingrained into you and you lived that life. Yeah. You know, I think for me, giving back is partially tied to remembering where I've come from and remembering that I didn't always have everything at my ready. I tend to focus on um, uh, organizations that are helping underserved communities and in particular, um, helping um, the helping people find ways to thrive. And so by, by me focusing there, it allows me to make sure that I am always keeping one foot rooted in the fact that I didn't grow up with money. I didn't grow up with privilege. And while I have, you know, more advantages today, it could have easily gone a different way and it could change any day. And so as a result, I like to have an impact on the communities that I'm a part of as much as possible. And the great privilege of being on the marketing advisory council for global citizens is actually um, it's new and it is such a great opportunity for me to take that idea of impacting communities to a massive scale. And that for me is very rewarding when I spend every day in, in our great capitalist society, driving revenue for massive organizations. Yeah, it's a, 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 a real privilege. And 
I've gotten very involved in the Nelson Mandela Foundation, and it's uh, one of the pillars of our move to launch Advertising Week in Africa, which we'll be doing in 2023. And I've been very lucky to spend a lot of time with a number of the elders, Tembi Tambo in particular, who's Oliver mm -hmm. Tam Tambo's oldest daughter. Uh, and, you know, I, I wish more people understood what you do, which is you fill your own cup by filling up the cups of others. Yeah. And uh, Global Citizen does such a wonderful job uh, uh, globally. We were at their big event in Soweto in 2019. And of course, mm -hmm. every every fall, we're uh, in Central Park with them and have had you on stage and uh, just love what they do so much. So God bless for what you're doing there. It's so important. I will tell you, it's also a part of why I joined Ford, Matt, because Ford's purpose is about helping every person move and pursue their dreams. And it's also a massive organization that is a, a community in its own right, but has direct impact on communities that we support and we serve. And so being able to come into a role that I can actually both drive great marketing that is going to move consumers, while at the same time helping to impact America and helping to impact the communities that our, our dealers and our business are in, it makes me feel like every day I go to work with a purpose and every day I am helping to change our world. Uh, that is great. All right, we got a lot to talk about about Ford, but before we get there, let's just tackle a few other things. Sure. So you learned early and you said earlier in our conversation that you didn't know that marketing was a pathway for your career. Yeah. But you started in a very different area as an undergrad at Tulane, another great, great school. Uh, and you got a Bachelor of Science in Biomedical Engineering. We're on the National Society of Black Engineers, which is yeah. uh, an achievement in a different and very important way as well. How do we go from biomedical engineering to the, to the head of marketing of Ford and lots of great marketing gigs along the way with bellwether companies like Verizon and JP Morgan and you know, how do we get there? That's quite a, that's quite yeah. a leap, Karna. So let me first say, um, I originally wanted, everyone has the same kind of parental direction, doctor, lawyer, dentist, et cetera. So for me, my starting place was, I think I want to be a doctor, but I like to do everything different and a little bit against the grain. So I don't want to just go through a regular liberal arts degree and then go to med school. I want to be an engineer and learn medical, like science, biology, chemistry, et cetera, from a very different lens and then go to med school and have a leg up. That was, that was the starting place, especially because in high school, I was stellar at the math and sciences. I AP'd out of almost every single math and science that you could before I went to college. So clearly I should be an engineer to become a doctor, right? Clearly. In reality, once I got to school and I, I was doing that as my degree, 
it was too insular. It was too individual. Everything you do is kind of tackling a small problem in an individual way, or at least at that time it was. And I personally really thrive on being parts of teams and helping solve problems and drive immediate impact. So um, I shifted into marketing as my career once I realized that that little internship and those small internships that I had that were just making me some money are actually things that I can go and have a career off of. And, and my, my life has built from that. I also, at one of those internships, had a mentor who I'm still um, close with today. Her name is Susan Driscoll. And at the time, she was originally the director at Coca-Cola, leading uh, the team that helped create the plastic uh, contour bottle. And she was our client. And then she left Coke and became one of the principals at Momentum. She helped me see, she's the one who helped me see one, that this doesn't have to be just your job that you make some money off of, but it can be a career. And then two, she helped me see that I could be really great at it and I can push boundaries further and wider than I really realized. And that helped me change the trajectory of all of the jobs that I had while I was in undergrad. And then the fact that I even strived towards going to Coke once I graduated from undergrad, et cetera. Absolutely great answer. Uh, this is so much fun, Corn. I'm having a good time. I'm having a, I'm having a good time on this one. So I really want to go deep on Ford, and I'm gonna uncharacteristically, I want to give short shrift to some of the other stuff along your journey. But we can't gloss over completely. Uh, you've had very senior posts at J.P. Morgan, at Verizon, where you were right before Ford. And you mentioned the Coca-Cola company. You've been in an integrated strategy role. You've been in a marketing strategy role, an activation role. Looking back on those experiences, any takeaways that you still rely on today in your job as head of marketing at Ford or anything that, you know, that really comes to mind that when you lay awake at night and if your memory drifts back to any of those three gigs and you can answer any way you like, that you remember particularly fondly? Yeah, that's a really broad question. I, um, I, <laughs> I can go a couple of different ways with that. Any way you want. The ball right. is yours. The ball is yours. So I'll share a couple of things. One is, as I have continued to experience different leadership challenges and different leadership opportunities, one of the things that sticks with me is I am as strong as the people and the team that I empower and enable. And I have to make sure that that is at the center and core of everything that I do, not just, you know, individual success, personal growth and goals, et cetera. I think another thing that I've carried with me across all of these um, things is a it's kind of a, a trite cliche, but it's so true. Um, change is inevitable. And the only thing you can be certain of is change. That has become increasingly true um, in recent years, obviously. You look at uh, supply chain challenges, you look at um, just overall the uncertainty that came through COVID, et cetera. And I really try to make sure that I am constantly thinking about scenarios and how to plan ahead and how to be prepared, but at the same time, just be comfortable with the fact that change is inevitable and it's going to happen. And how do I be a part of shaping the direction of it versus just a victim of it? Great, great answer. Uh, okay, so let's start to get to the present now. You have this terrific job at Verizon. The pandemic hits, 
Verizon's one of the businesses that I'm going to guess had a terrific year in 2020 and a terrific year in 2021. And you get recruited to come to the Ford Motor Company at a very unique time in history. I'd love to know the story of how you got to Ford. Mm-hmm. And then I'd love to get into, you know, some of the stuff that's on your plate there on a day-to-day basis. So, um, you know, it's a great question. It, it's not necessarily um, uh, a place that I had envisioned that I would be. I hadn't really thought about it. Detroit is kind of cold at times. But here's here's the reality. When someone comes to you and says, hey, I've got this opportunity where we are transforming a company, transforming a marketing capability and organization, and it is with one of the uh, most reputable brands and companies and respectful, uh, respectable brands and companies in the world. Would you be interested in being a part of building and creating and shaping that? That's pretty darn awesome. And I am somebody who will go run to an opportunity to build and create together with great people. And that's really what my role at Ford and what what we as a company with our Ford Plus plan are doing. And it is amazing. Wow. Great, great answer. Uh, Okay. So I am an unabashed Ford fan. I mentioned at the top, I've had two Mustang convertibles, a 67, a 68. I also forget, but I did have a 77, not the great era of Mustangs, I think <laughs> fairly. with It was yellow, Karna, I kid you not, with T-roofs. Do you remember T-roofs? <laughs> a, a, a concept which properly has been buried, I think, forever. Well... Uh, so maybe you know what in fashion everything comes back around so i guess we'll see oh my god i guess i guess if those big bell bottom pants can come back so can t roofs <laughs> so i love ford and one of the things i think where the company has never gotten enough credit is that during difficult times years ago ford was the only one of the american automotive companies that stood on its own two feet and was not bailed out by the u.s government or sold to overseas ownership um the company is unique in the sector that way um and has been innovating at a pace that you know reminds me of uh you know carl lewis and jackie joiner running down the track uh, at the la coliseum in 84. the company month to month week to week year to year is transforming before our very eyes talk about what it must be like being in the middle of something that is changing so rapidly and is really in so many ways for America leading the way forward in the most important industry we have in this country, I would say, which is what happens in Detroit in the automotive sector. You know what? It's what career dreams are made of and probably the hardest thing that you will ever do in your life. So on one hand, the experiences you get, the challenges that you get to um, tackle, the problems that you're solving, the way you are really both yourself and the people around you and the teams that you lead are thinking differently about how to approach things in a new environment that that are just fundamentally different. That is just what what career dreams are made of, right? At the same time, the resilience required 
to move such a large ship um, and, and change the way that we think about our business and the way we think about leading a team through that change. It's definitely something that requires um, tenacity. It requires empathy, thoughtfulness, and a tremendous amount of energy. Wow, great answer. So let's get a little granular about what does head of US marketing mean on a day-to-day basis? Let's talk about the internal facing, part of the job and the external part of the job as you shape consumer imagery around the Ford brand. Yeah. When I explain it to, for instance, my 13 year old nephew, what I say is my team is responsible for how Ford, my team is responsible for how Ford shows up in America. So whether it's what you see on TV, what you see on TikTok. Um, what you get in an email communication from us, we are responsible for what we're going to say, how we're going to say it, and ensuring that it is truly delivering the point of view of the brand and delivering on our purpose so that we can both drive consumers to fall in love with Ford and stay in love with Ford. From an internal perspective, it is very much an aspect. It's very much about how we are helping um, to have teams that might be creating products and services, helping them understand um, how to frame the value proposition for that, so that we can go tell stories about it to consumers, um, and how and 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 do that in ways that are new and different. We are very much driving towards storytelling from a social and digital first angle and through experiences, not just through advertising. From an external perspective, it's really understanding our customer deeply and understanding their needs and their pain points and determining how we are going to be able to deliver on those on those and adapt to those, especially in a world of supply chain, supply train excuse me, supply chain constraints that are in many ways out of our control. So can we talk about um, something that's uh, it's public uh, knowledge, but I, I don't really understand it. And I'd love to, you, you, you can explain it to me. The company is basically being split in half. Is that right? Yes. I, would, I wouldn't use that language. I wouldn't call it being split in half. Um, I think what I would say is, Um, we identified that we have an amazing new capability that we need to deliver this electric vehicle capability. And it is a fundamentally different way of going to market, a fundamentally different consumer that we need to engage with it, a different uh, product development and a total experience product process. And when we were having the same people trying to create this new thing while also driving our core ice or uh, combustion engine business, we didn't have everything with enough focus. And so this is really about creating focus and making sure that we can be best in class at everything that we're doing. Okay, much much better explained than I said it. Thank you for correcting me. So can we talk a little bit about having success immediately, which is very hard to do. And uh, I have such admiration for what Ford has done with both the Mustang. I love that you embrace the legacy of that brand. I, I 
you know, uh, I've already shared with you a couple of times how fond I am of Mustangs and how much of a part of my DNA that car is. Uh, and uh, the Ford F-150 uh, electric, the Lightning, which you also got right immediately. Mm-hmm. Normally, when someone does something, it takes a little while to figure it out and get it right. Ford nailed both of them immediately. How do you do that? You know what? I think the benefit that we have is we started with amazing, iconic brands. At its core, Mustang stands for something. F-150 stands for something. And we electrified those icons. So getting it right. Now, let's be clear. There was such amazing engineering and concepting and product development that that led to this. It wasn't just, you know, the blink of an eye, I'm sure. But we knew what we were doing because we decided to electrify icons. That means that you are determining how you are going to bring an all-electric F-150 to life. And there are core tenets to what that means and who you're talking to and what that stands for. And that allowed us to create two amazing first-to-market electric vehicles for a major OEM and do so in a way that between those and even electrifying our, um, our transit van, All of that has allowed us to become the number two EV manufacturer in the in the US. And that is pretty darn amazing because of the fact that we had a very clear strategy and we executed on that strategy. And and it happened in very, very short order. It, well, I mean, I'm sure that the product life cycle wasn't necessarily short, but the business saw clearly the vision of where we needed to go, the role that electric vehicles needed to play in our transformation. Right. And so it, this has been a very deliberate, well-planned execution. Yeah, no, I'm sure behind the scenes, this and certainly from a development of the vehicle vantage point has to be years in the making. But to me, both brands represent overnight success stories, but I love the way you described it, that you took two iconic brands and that gave you a pretty good head start. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and, and look, we're, we're fortunate that those passionate fans or many of those passionate fans, particularly um, F-150 fans embraced it. At the same time though, I will tell you, these vehicles have unlocked new opportunities for us. If you look across all of our um, electric vehicles, we're getting something like 60% new customers through these vehicles, new to Ford. So on one hand, it gave us awareness faster because of electrifying the icons, but it also made people think differently about Ford and reconsider Ford as as a company and a brand for them through these amazing new vehicles. And that same thing is happening when you look at some of our um, new combustion engine vehicles as well, like Bronco and Bronco Sport, and even which are, you know, our our two um, SUVs, and then even Maverick, which is our compact size pickup, all new products that have come out that have changed the way that people are considering us. Yeah, I think the Bronco is another beautiful car that you brought back and a great brand also. 
And when I was on the website yesterday, because August 30th was a big day for Ford, it was the first day when you could order a Mustang again for the next year. Um, and I was on your site, uh, Karna, and I have some very specific questions about that, by the way. I need your advice, which we'll do live on the air here. Um, <laughs> but I also, the Bronco was very prominent on the site. And what a beautiful car that is. Yeah, that. so I personally currently drive a Bronco Sport. And I remember, uh, I live in New Jersey, in a town called West New York. And when I first got my very first Bronco Sport, no one in the neighborhood had one. No, no one had one. And I remember just driving down the street, how many people would stop me at lights, stop me in the neighborhood because of just how amazing the vehicle looks and was. Um, I've got to tell you, there's a, a gentleman um, that was on my team. Uh, his name is Mark Gruber. And he is the brand manager uh, that, or the brand director that led the, you know, concepting and launch from a brand perspective for that vehicle. And I will tell you the passion that Bronco enthusiasts had that fed into the creation of not only the vehicle, but the accessories and all of the experiences. The community is so deeply passionate. You can't help but come out with an amazing vehicle. Yeah, no, and I think very similar to the Mustang, it's got that reservoir of goodwill and almost a halo over a brand that you can't manufacture something like that. You have it or you don't. Right. And the, the F-150, the Bronco, the Mustang, you mentioned the Maverick, they all have that equity and that halo. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that and that and, and and honestly, that's also a part of what makes someone in a role like mine really just love what we do because you you're you're working with amazing products and amazing brands and you you kind of get the opportunity to create new ways of bringing those to life and that's what as a marketer I wake up to do every day and what my team wakes up to do every day. Fantastic. All right, so let's turn this around a little bit. So we mentioned that yesterday was the first day you could go on the site and order a Mustang. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that coin is for a very long period of time, when you went to the site for all the different models, starting with the base to the California edition to the GT, uh, not available, could not order one, were sold out. Talk about that totally unique set of circumstances. I mean, I'm 58. I've been driving, give or take 40 years. I don't ever remember a situation where you wanted to get a car and you couldn't get one. You couldn't even order one. Well, I'll tell you this. I've, I've, I've been in the, in the car business for a short period of time, but when I look around at my colleagues and my dealer partners, many of them have spent their lives or generations of their lives in this business. And even they would say, I've never seen anything like what, what we are experiencing in our industry. Like we are today. Never. Yeah. Um, I will Una, tell you. Un unimaginable, I think. Absolutely. But it's introduced some pretty unique opportunities at the same time. So on one hand, I will tell you, as the marketer whose job is to drive demand, communicate with consumers, deliver on customer expectation, et cetera, it is certainly not without challenges when you don't have enough product to meet the demand that's out there. That's very challenging. At the same time, though, it has introduced some interesting opportunities for us to rethink how we're going to market. 
it's allowed us to really pivot in the way that we're thinking about um, marketing and advertising. It's an opportunity for us to talk, say things to different people than we have in the past. Uh, talk about our brand and our product to um, uh, more diverse audiences, allow us to switch some channels. And basically it's accelerated pivots that we as a company and a business and as a marketer have probably been dipping our toe in for several years, but now it's both forced and enabled um, some of those pivots to happen. It, we've we've really made significant improvements on our Ford.com e-commerce experience, and we have a rich ro a rich roadmap for how that's going to continue to evolve. We've um, shifted into digital first versus television first, so that we are actually reaching more of the newer audiences that are that are driving growth in our industry and in our category. And I think if we hadn't had something that was this disruptive, it probably would have taken a little bit more time for some of those transitions to happen in the business. So is it reasonable to say that as the supply chain issues ease up, as your manufacturing gears up to be able to meet demand, that some of what's happened the last couple of years in the medium and long term may benefit Ford and in turn American consumers? I think absolutely. And I think if you look at not just Ford, not just our industry, because obviously pretty much every industry is suffering from some Ford, some sort of supply chain disruption, as well as just the general COVID disruption. What I would say is more broadly, significant disruption creates opportunity for transformation. And you can either lean into it, which is very much what Ford and Jim Farley are doing with our Ford Plus plan and how we are driving aggressive transformation to our business model and our operating plans and our go-to-market. Or you can you can you can be afraid of it and try to get back to air quotes normal when the disruption ends. I'm a believer in you build, you grow, you have a growth mindset. So you lean into it and you use it as an opportunity to change. So well said. Um, love what you're doing and also love your leadership. You talked about some of the people that have mentored you. You have become a real champion for your own people and making sure that Ford and everybody that you touch, Karna, in your broader you know, ecosystem, that you're advancing and championing the opportunity for everyone, no matter where you come from, no matter what gender you are, no matter what color you are, no matter what your preferences may be, yeah. to be able to advance their careers. Can we talk about that a little bit? And you're a true champion. A lot of people give lip service, I find, to a diversity, equity, and inclusion. You're living and breathing it. Yeah, you know, I am a black woman in a very senior job at a very large company. And I find it to be a privilege to represent in this role. But I am only my best self if I'm also using that as a platform and opportunity for other people to be able to achieve and accomplish similarly. And also importantly, as a voice to help a company like mine continue to become the employer of choice for all people. That to me is what my purpose is here. First and foremost, help impact that community. I think that I've I've had a mix of luck and skill to get to where I am. And some of that luck is tied to people in positions of influence 
helping me along the way. And I think that is important for me. That's why I um, am on the board of the IRTS organization, which focuses on helping to drive um, leadership and growth in marketing and advertising, particularly focused among people of, uh, of color in uh, college. I'm also um, on the uh, executive board of our employee resource group for women. I'm an active member of our employee resource group for African-Americans. Um, and then I also am starting to partner with some of our dealers on how we can continue to drive that diversity, equity, and inclusion at the dealership level as well, and how that can help us drive not only growth for the business, but growth for our communities of people of color. Absolutely fantastic. And I, I love how you weave this whole narrative together. Um, I think Atlanta is one of the great cities. I miss it. I love living down there. Um, I'm also a big fan. I guess you get to get to go to Detroit now a little bit now that things have opened up again. But yeah. that's a little odd, isn't it? Having a big gig like that and doing it remotely. You know what? If you think about it, most marketers, unless you live in New York, most marketers probably have a decent amount of travel that they do to go see agencies, to go to shoots, to go do other execution things. Yep. The reality is, is I have the same thing. I live in the New York area. I commute and I travel between New York and Detroit as well as out to go see our dealers. So in the grand scheme of things, it really wouldn't matter where I physically lived because of the fact that my, my role is as diverse in where I need to be as it is. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's another great answer. You got very good answers, Corna. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if my question, my, I may have to improve the quality of my questions. Um, listen, <laughs> I, I love, I absolutely love Detroit and I'm a big fan of uh, another uh, more contemporary Detroit brand, Shinola. Uh, yeah. And I love that made in America, made in Detroit. Um, I've been lucky enough to go to uh, the Motown Museum, Barry Gordy's home, which was one of the great thrills of, oh, wow. of, my, of my lifetime. And uh, in fact, we just had on Great Minds, the actor who played um, David Ruffin in Ain't Too Proud to Beg, the Temptations musical when it was, oh, on, wow. when it was on Broadway, Ephraim Sykes, br brilliant, brilliant actor. And uh, uh, love everything about what you're doing at Ford. Um, I am absolutely, I'm one of those people who uh, the Mustang Halo has brought back. And uh, you can't see it, but in my office, a few yards from where I am now, I still have uh, a little piece of the first Mustang I had, which my grandfather bought for me uh, when I was at Emory, uh -huh. um, a 68. It was kind of an awful color. It was an aqua blue that was just terrible. Uh, and, but my dream has been a burgundy Mustang. Yeah and the classic burgundy so my question i'm putting you on the spot now are you ready um yes i don't promise i'm gonna answer but go okay I, you don't have to answer i want a new 2023 mustang i'm going to go through the site and order uh, it you want a mustang maki yes do it go through the site and order it and mike i have two questions for you one is i can't tell the difference between the california special edition and the gt can you tell me uh, the way that I think of it is the GT is the powerhouse, and it's the one that it's it's the one that I actually have on order as well. I have a, a Maki on order for a GT, 
it, I particularly love it because of the the power that it has, the speed that it goes, et cetera. Okay. So you're going to go for the GT. Yeah. Okay, great. And I'm going to buy it, not lease it. Will you be okay. mad at me if I find someone who can paint it that classic burgundy color? I will not be mad at you. I would actually encourage you to work. I don't, we can talk offline about who your um, local dealer is. Our dealers have some amazing um, capabilities for vehicle personalization, for accessories, et cetera. And many of them offer offer um, uh, things like uh, custom paint, et cetera. I would encourage you to, to have that conversation with your dealer that you choose when you go through the online and see what they can give to you from a personalization perspective. All right. I'm going to follow up with you on this. And this is, this is your, your, you are, uh, not only uh, getting a chance to have some, what I hope wasn't too torturous conversation about your career path, but you're also talking to a new Ford customer. And I uh, love it. Uh, I couldn't be happier to be back in the Ford family. Uh, and uh, when we meet in person um, in Manhattan, uh, you, you will come to my office and you will see my old pieces, the remnants that I have of that 68 Mustang uh and uh, uh this has been an absolute joy to talk to you so i can't thank you enough for doing this matt first thank you for um hopefully becoming a ford owner again uh, i i truly we appreciate that uh, i also am very eager to hear any feedback as you go through your experience uh, because everything we do is at the service uh, everything we do is at the service of of making your life as a customer and as an owner delightful well, and, I, I, will, I will share that all with you. And then thank you for letting me be um, on with you today. Hopefully I wasn't too crazy with my responses and hopefully the, um, your listeners will get something um, valuable out of it. Absolutely great. Thanks so much for doing this, Karna. Thanks, Matt. I'll talk to you soon. Creating videos doesn't have to be expensive and time-consuming. At QuickFrame by Mountain, you'll get all the creativity without any of the baggage. Their solution has facilitated more than 65,000 high-performing on-brand video ads designed for both audience specificity and rapid creative testing. Get matched with a diverse community of creators across the globe who have the skills you need to bring your big and small ideas to life. Big screen performance on every screen in the home? It's not too good to be true. It's just how they roll. Visit quickframe.com to learn more.